It's the WP Minute Plus, your home for long-form discussions around the WordPress ecosystem. Deeper insights and conversations that you won't find on that other 5-Minute WordPress podcast that we do. Follow both podcasts at thewpminute.com slash podcasts. Big exciting news at the WP Minute. You can now join our Slack membership for as little as $5 virtual coffee donation. Head to the wpminute.com slash support. Purchase your spot to be in the new refreshing Slack channel for WordPress professionals. Our annual membership still exists if you want to find some great annual member perks. But if $79 a year is a bit outside of your reach, you can now join that membership and support our work and get access to our great group for as little as $5. So what are you waiting for? Join your new home for WordPress professionals talking the news, business, and all things WordPress at the wpminute.com slash support. The wpminute.com slash support. Hey, Aaron, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I don't want to make this my AI therapy session, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I figured since I have you on the call, I might turn that into I might turn this into an AI therapy session. Uh, Aaron Edwards, Docsbot.ai, Imagine AI, but you have a storied background in WordPress. For those that don't know, uh, catch us up to speed. Where did you start in WordPress? What have you been doing for the last decade, and what led you up to what you're doing now? Yeah, sure. I started. Let's see, way back WordPress 2.6, I think, is when I first kind of joined the community and I found it because of multi-site. It was called WordPress multi-user back then and I was building kind of a network of sites as a project and so I started playing with that and then started teaching myself plugin development and eventually I joined up with WPMU Dev which is a larger WordPress like plugin and services company and I've been with them for 14 years and the last 11 or so serving as the CTO for that company. And more recently, I've been um, kind of experimenting, building my own things, especially with AI technology, and just went full-time doing that in the last few months. Um, So now it's full-time working on DocSpot and Imagine AI, so it's exciting. I don't want to go sidebar too much, but I saw recently they launched a sort of like white label reseller plan for for their hosting package were you were you a part of that building out that technology yeah for sure we've been doing some amazing stuff in the last few years just focusing on targeting agencies and and products for wordpress agencies specifically and so now you can do everything all of the wpmu dev products can be fully white labeled and sold under your own brand from your own old own website and everything it's pretty cool yeah, it looks pretty cool. Maybe I'll get somebody. Maybe you know somebody on the team. Yeah. I could get on the podcast. How about, how about that? Sure. Let's talk about DocSpot. Let's start with DocSpot. DocSpot.ai. I don't want to pitch it for you. I'll let you pitch it. But I will say that I have found myself struggling to really get into AI, ChatGPT specifically. Can I find a use case for this? chat gpt thing that i pay 20 bucks a month for can i really make it part of my day-to-day productivity because my god twitter tells me i should mm-hmm. docspot ai what does it do what's the value prop and and how can folks get a hold of it yeah sure so when after chat gpt came out and some of these apis first started becoming available i started playing around with that and, and learning it a lot more in depth and kind of the first thing i built was uh, i called it chat wp and that's at i think wpdocs.chat and basically, I just trained a chatbot with all the WordPress core documentation, like from WordPress.org. 
and I scraped all that and used that to train the chatbot just to make like a free kind of tool where people in the community can like ask questions about WordPress and get answers from its knowledge from that training. And, uh, that was kind of like a fun project and for the community and kind of a proof of concept also. And then I kind of took that technology and adapted it and, and kind of honed it further to actually launch a, a business off of it called docspot.ai. And uh, so what DocSpot basically does is it lets you custom train ChatGPT with your company's data. So uh, whether it's document files, whether it's just letting it crawl your entire website or your knowledge base or support content and using that to train the chatbot, which you can then turn around and use for frontline customer support and pre-sales. Or you can use it for like internal knowledge bots. A lot of our customers use it for that and for their teams. Like they'll have their HR and standard operating procedures and things like that uh, in there. And you can use it for, of course, like copywriting and things like that. But I think the best use cases are for like more like question answer type thing. Is the secret sauce in all of this stuff, like the actual training process? Like when you say I've trained it to do this, is that the secret sauce in, into, into how folks are going to leverage ChatGPT in any... In I want to make ChatGPT write better in the way that I write. Do I just keep mm -hmm. training it on how I've written in the past for the last 15 years online? Is that the secret sauce to make this stuff more effective? Yeah, there's a lot of different techniques. For ChatGPT, it's kind of like... It was kind of revolutionary when it came out because actually the underlying model for that, which is, they call it like GPT 3.5, that's actually been around for quite a while, for a few years now, but no one found it that revolutionary until they did this new thing, which was basically fine tuning it, um, what's, what's called RHLF. And basically they, they fine tuned it questions and then how humans would want to see an answer. And so they took that underlying model and they tuned it in a way so that it could be like released in like a chat interface where a normal person could ask it to do things without having to understand the weird prompts and, and special patterns you need to do to make it output what you want. So uh, like that model actually isn't new, it's just the fine tuning that made it much more useful. And so yeah. you can actually extend that, that core public chat GPT, you can extend that even further by fine tuning it. We're using techniques like we do called retrieval augmented generation to where you're actually like pasting text for it to answer questions based on. And, and so doing that allows you to kind of fine tune the output further and, and make it suit your needs a lot better. Does OpenAI or ChatGPT, do they give you the, I'm not familiar with it, so I'll just say, do they give you the framework in order to help train these models on your own? Or are they like, no, no, like you, you kind of got to feed that back into the ChatGPT machine, if you will. Yeah, well, there's different ways. There's one that's called like fine tuning. And that was actually only released by OpenAI just, gosh, I think less than a month ago or maybe about a month ago. And that is where you're actually like a fish training and creating a custom model. And that is better at not necessarily training it with data, but more giving it examples of styles. So it's kind of similar to if you said, you gave it a prompt to said, okay, I want you to write this. Here's a whole list of examples of what it should look like, you know, question and answer. And then you give it, and you tell it to go to the races. So it's kind of like that, but a more efficient way of doing that. So you fine tune it ahead of time with, with, a, with a database of examples of what you want the output to look like for a specific prompt. But that is not what we do at DocSpot. 
first of all, it's kind of costly and slow. And second, it's much better at like capturing just like the styles of output, maybe your speaking style or tone or things like that, than it is at capturing like raw data and facts, which is what you want when you're doing like a support chatbot. You want to be able to give accurate answers to your users. And so what we do is called retrieval augmented generation. And imagine if, uh, let's say you asked a question or a customer asked a question, okay, what is the most expensive plan for this product, right? And so in the back end, what we're doing is we're actually searching all the documentation we've, we've indexed and then finding like text chunks that might answer that question. So, okay, this is a text chunk that talks about their pricing. And so basically all we're doing is we're pasting that into ChatGPT and then saying, based on this text that we pasted here, uh, what is the answer to this question? So it allows it to give a lot more factual answers without having to custom train it every single time. Does that make so, sense? Well, it certainly does. So WordPress product company, they've got their, uh, this would go on and assist their knowledge base or their pre-sales documentation. Yeah. Perhaps maybe if they don't even have that, you could start like a, if it was a very, I almost said immature, but that's not the right word, early stage uh, WordPress product company, maybe they just have blog posts. Right, Can exactly. we train it on, on the basics of that? And, and that's how somebody could start? Yeah, that's the normal use case. Most people, they just point it at their site and then we crawl the entire site map and index their blog and their knowledge base if they have one and, and things or marketing information. And that's usually definitely enough, at least like handing the pre-sales and questions about the product um, from your marketing material. Um, and of course, if you have like an in-depth knowledge base, that's much better if they're going to be asking like very detailed questions about usage and things like that. But what we do is we make it really simple to have that as like your frontline agent that's available 24 seven and can answer questions in any language that's thrown at it, which is pretty amazing in itself. Um, and then if it can't answer, it presents them like an option to seamlessly transfer that to your existing like live chat or ticket support. So they can instantly kind of relate that to human support. But uh, the stats that we see are really amazing in it. Like the companies that have implemented implemented it well are seeing like about 80 percent deflection rate so that means eight out of ten support tickets don't even hit your inbox anymore which is pretty amazing and that saves a lot of time and a lot of costs for your company yeah i can imagine anyone with a freemium model that has a, a free plugin on wordpress.org and you just get those tire kickers or yes. just like no idea what they're doing you know this is something that that really helps i'm on Docspot.ai right now. I'm looking at the pricing page. Uh, help me understand the Docspot line item. So I see one Docspot, three Docspot, ten Docspot. What what is the differentiator? What is a Docspot? Yeah, essentially, we just allowed you. Like, what was, I wasn't sure if I should call it like a bot or a library, or it's like kind of a combo of both of them right now. So basically, it's it's an independent bot that's trained with an independent like set of content and documentation. And then with, with each of those, you can configure different preferences, like giving it custom prompts to change its behavior or tone of voice or changing like the design of the chat widget. If you're using our chat widget in your website, um, that kind of thing. So, uh, basically, uh, most businesses, they just have one or two, or maybe if they have like a bunch of distinct products, then it's better for them to create a distinct bot for each product. What is the training look like from your customer side is this something that they 
okay, this is with, with Descript, right? The, which is my audio editing app. I have to kind of train it my voice if I want to use the audio repair tool. And sometimes the audio training can be hours long. Like you yeah. don't want me to talk for hours. <laughs> yeah. What is it like to train a DocBot? Well, it's, it's really quite fast. So we have, gosh, we have 15 different sources of data right now. So we have a single URL. You just paste in the URL and that takes five seconds for it to learn from all the data on that page. Document files, you can just upload text files like a Word doc, PDF, HTML, or you can upload just like a zip file with a whole directory full of your documentation. We have a feature where you can upload like the export file from your WordPress site, the XML export. And that will just do your whole WordPress site like that. Um, our most popular ones are probably the sitemap and URL, URL list. So you just point it at the URL of your site or a specific sitemap on your site. Like if you have a sitemap, Yoast creates like a sitemap for your documentation post type or, or whatever it is. Uh, so you can just point it at that. And then our crawler goes out, crawls all the pages it finds on the sitemap, does all the fancy stuff on the back end to clean up that data make it real clean and pristine and learn from um, all the text content, the images and links and tables and things like that and preserve all that formatting for you. Do they use your own their own ChatGPT key, or is that your own? Currently, yes. We we have you provide your own key, so that way you kind of have ownership of your data and and control and things like that. Um, and that way, we're not like just being like a API reseller necessarily. We're not charging you some some premium on top of the open AI credits. Instead, we're just charging you for a service, and then you bring your own key. Uh, we're looking at maybe changing that model in the near future just to make it easier for beginners to get started um, and have it as like an optional uh, ability for people to do. Talk to me about um, putting the, the product for aside for a moment. Let's just talk about uh, ethics in AI. And I am not anywhere near versed in like ethical law in artificial intelligence. Although what a title that would make on a business card. I could probably start handing it out and people would probably believe me. I hear something like this and I'm like, wow, you could train competitor content for yourself, right? I could have a bot learning, mm -hmm. let's say gravity forms, just mm -hmm. sucking up all the information that gravity forms is posting out, knowledge-based mm -hmm. blog posts, marketing, sentiment, all this mm -hmm. stuff. And I can turn over to my competitor bot one day and be like, so what's gravity forms up to? What's WS forms up to? What's WP forms up to? And I could kind of just get these insights into, mm -hmm. into my own pool of knowledge. Holding that aside, I see people can block ChatGPT from crawling their site on through robots TXT, no pun intended, but they can block that and stop ChatGPT from crawling it. Mm -hmm. Are we going to move into a world where this knowledge isn't as easy to access right now for people to start improving their models? Should people be thinking, well, maybe I shouldn't allow AI to crawl my site? What's your thought on, thoughts on that kind of access to your content, to your data? Because competitors could kind of flip the script, if you will, and, and do this kind of knowledge work against your own content yeah as far as like that crawling ability i don't see it any different than what search engines have been doing since the beginning and people pay a lot of money and spend a lot of time trying to get search engines to crawl their stuff you know i would start preparing for the future when it's not search where it's ai answers and where people are going to be entering in google a question what is the best forms 
plugin for WordPress and you want yours to be the one that it recommends, right? (laughs) You don't want it to be your competitors that it recommends. So heck yeah, I would, I would be doing everything I can to let ChatGBT and other AI models crawl and learn from my content. Um, and that opens, of course, all kinds of weird doors. Like you remember the, the old like black hat days of SEO and keyword stuffing and all the crazy stuff people would do to, to try to get their sites crawled and get to the top of the results. And, there's going to be a lot of that stuff as people are experimenting with this whole new world of technology. Can I insert like secret prompts that that will trick the AI in the future to always recommend my product? You know, things like that, like prompt hacking, all, all kinds of stuff. Who knows what this new world is going to unlock? But in general, I, I think it's just the next phase of, of what we've been doing before with SEO. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. You know, looking at... You know, ChatGPT four, uh, or maybe no, all of ChatGPT, right? All of ChatGPT now can search the web through uh, Bing's browser or Bing's mm-hmm. search engine, right? That was a, the the most recent update, and yeah, yeah, just playing with that and seeing how you it'll cite the the source URL. You know, you're kind of sitting here going, "Geez, do I want to put this content out there and and have this?" hard-earned content be the source of somebody else's answers or somebody else's service and then it's also Mm -hmm. well that door is pretty big (laughs) and if it's search if that's the future of search now you're kind of kicking yourself if you lock yourself out right Um, it's a wild west time to a degree in in my opinion for sure and i think kind of another thing too is it very much changes like how if we're like for us that are product owners and thinking about marketing and seo is it changes kind of that strategy because we don't know for sure like right now like bing and, and the google bard they kind of cite the sources if they pull info live from from your website or something they cite that as a source so you still have that source of clicks but of course there's going to be other things and and general data that is not going to cite sources and, and, and it's just going to provide an answer directly to a user and they have no reason to go and read your well thought out blog blog post you know about that <laughs> right. topic Right. And so I think that kind of changes the game for us as marketers in that our focus needs to be less on like informational things and probably more on things that drive intent, like maybe tools or, or things where they would have to click through to take an action on your site rather than just pure, pure knowledge and pure content mar- marketing. Yeah. Um, so, so providing do value you- in different ways to that, to, that the AI can't do itself. Right. Do you have an opinion on on where the market's headed with AI-rived content? In other words, I don't know. I saw the other day some tool somebody posted that would create you a hundred blog posts and send them directly to your WordPress website. Right. right? And I'm just looking at that, going, "What the hell are we doing? Like, <laughs> how is anyone even going to, you know, cre- you know, how, how, why, how do we get into this mess?" So do you have an opinion or maybe some technical knowledge on what search engines are doing to safeguard search results from its own AI-driven mechanisms? Well, I think we've kind of seen with the latest Google helpful content update how they've put in filters that maybe we don't understand but seem to be doing a decent job at filtering out like a lot of these content farm type things and organizing even better. So... Like the thing has always been create helpful content, right? Create content that people want to read and that provides value to users. And 
as long as you're doing that for now, I think good, like on the SEO side. But as I said, as, as people can get that stuff from the general knowledge of AI models that's being trained on that stuff, um, it's going to be less and less of a way to get people to your site through creating that kind of content. And so, yeah, I mean, for now, like Google has said, they won't necessarily penalize something because it's AI written. Um, really, it doesn't matter who wrote it or what wrote it, as long as it's something that's useful to users. So, I mean, I think that's what it comes down to. Like, you need to think about the quality of the content you create. It doesn't matter if it's AI helping you or not. And, and keep that high and keep that useful instead of always thinking about trying to game SEO because that's always just going to be a back and forth battle. This launched, DocSpot launched six-ish months ago? Yeah. Roughly. Yeah. And you're not, you're not a novice to obviously the WordPress uh, product space. Um, again, looking at the pricing page, 19, it ranges from 19 to 499 a month, $19 a month to $499 a month for the business plan. And then below that, we have an enterprise plan, eight ninety nine a month. I understand the world of, of enterprise sales, having worked at Pagely for mm -hmm. a few years selling into the enterprise. Mm. How has this shaken out for you in terms of the, the product packaging going into the WordPress space? Are there many people in the WordPress product space that are on that business and enterprise plan? How have how have how has this been received by uh, WordPress product owners? Yeah, I mean, most of my community and kind of network before this is WordPress and other WordPress product owners. So that's kind of the first people that I was sharing this with and selling to. So we do have a lot of WordPress businesses that are using it. One of the biggest being Automatic is using it for all their products, um, the happiness teams. And so, yeah, it's been interesting because this has been my first like true like B2B product, business to business. I feel like most, and even like in WPMU Dev, all the products we built there, a lot of in WordPress, it's, it's really, it's B2C. Because most of your customers are like either they're just like they have their own site or they're just like maybe have a few clients and they're trying stuff out, you know, and so they can be very pricing sensitive. So uh, with like I really didn't necessarily target WordPress specifically and just trying to go more traditional SaaS model. And I first launched the 499 was the enterprise plan. And then I ended up having people that wanted more enterprising features so i said all right let's make that business and then let's make uh higher on quote levels above that you know and that's worked yeah. out i've i've signed a, a handful of really large ones like in fact the biggest one just started i think the other yesterday that's sony over in japan nice. congratulations which a, yeah which is a huge company and so it's been a lot big learning experience for sure learning how to deal with all the requirements and security and things like that that are required to sell to those large organizations. But we try to have like a, a plan that works for like your regular like kind of WordPress product business size and even one that works for personal use if you just want to do listening your docs question answer with your own documentation or people use it if they're scholars or, or students or things like that upload their textbook and be able to ask questions about it and stuff like that hmm. or hopefully not generate answers but <laughs> <laughs> man yeah I, I have three young boys uh the oldest is in second grade so i can't even imagine i can't imagine a world of high school homework with ai i'm just <laughs> seriously I was, I was looking at a photo someone used the new gpt4 vision if you've seen that yep. And they took a picture of their textbook with all math textbook with all the exercises in it. 
and just stuck it in there and said, solve this for me. And it just <laughs> created all the answers for them, for all these like graphs and everything in the math textbook. I was like, oh boy, this is yeah. a whole new world. Well, I'll, I'll know I'll know when when my kids are playing uh, video games in five minutes. Didn't you do your homework? He's like, oh yeah, we already did. I'm like, okay, you, yeah, you used an AI bot today. You used mm-hmm. DocsBot to do your homework, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Quickly, just going back to the to to the enterprise and the in the sales process that you've that you've been uncovering, has the when you sell into the enterprise or you sell into the bigger business. Not that you mm-hmm. didn't have experience with this in before, but is there anything there that surprised you? Was it the legal side, the onboarding side, the procurement side of enterprise that was a surprise? Or was it, I didn't realize this technical hurdle was going to be here. Uh, any surprises when you started selling into the enterprise? Yeah, I had some experience at WPME Dev. One of our big products is Campus Press. And so we have a huge amount of like enterprise, kind of like large universities and Ivy League and things like that. And of course, they have huge bureaucracies and, and things at that level where they need all these security checkbox checked and things signed and all this stuff. So it wasn't necessarily surprising. I haven't dealt with the sales side of that as much uh, before. It's mostly just like the technical security side. Um, so I felt prepared on that part. But yeah, definitely it's been a learning experience just learning, okay, like just the fact that you put an enterprise price up there even though I'm not necessarily offering much of any added value, is like, oh, yes, we're a big company, so we need to pay that. And they assume that automatically. So I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll just keep increasing yeah. that 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 price there. You know, whatever yeah. number you put there is what they think they're going to pay. So Yeah, and it puts the whole, like, you know, the plug-in business, the, the, the typical plug-in business, you know, 59, 79, right. 199, right? And people are like, whoa, 199, I can't believe... Anyone would ever buy that or pay that for a plugin, but then you get into certain higher ed. I yeah. mean, not only are they used to paying that kind of money, but I'll tell you something. If you ever try to sell into higher education, it takes a year, sometimes two years, mm-hmm. just because of the cycle of, of how, that, how that organization buys. They have, yeah. to, they have to get all the stakeholders. They actually literally exactly. have to wait for, the, for summertime to start implementing you know, some of these products when it's not in the heightened school year, right? Purchasing uh, processes for yeah. all these different verticals are outrageous. Yeah, what what you're really charging for is all the bureaucracy, all the stuff right. that they make you go through. Because <laughs> yeah. it's such a hassle compared to self-serve. Yeah, and a lot of people d- don't realize that, you know, selling into big business, I mean, you were, you probably, it starts out like this, somebody at, you know, I'll just use you as an example, somebody at Sony super hyped to use this, whatever, they're like IT manager lead somewhere in, in part of their organization. They, they really want to use this and they talk to you and they're like, we're going to buy it. And right. you're like, great, let's talk tomorrow. And they go, okay, procurement officer slides in like yep. a Jedi warrior comes out of nowhere, mm-hmm. right? And then, and then they start saying, okay, let's talk money, let's talk legal, let's talk security. And then yes. all these people come out of the woodwork and you're like, what happened to that guy over there that said he wanted to buy it? <laughs> Where did yeah. he go? You know, it's a, it's a crazy world. Yeah, I had to fill out like a 10-page spreadsheet in Japanese about <laughs> the security and requirements and stuff, you know. But I, any other WordPress companies uh, of note that you can talk about that, that, are, that are using this? Yeah, let's see. I don't know who I'm allowed to call out. On the on the website, I have Dolly. And Dolly's a, a WordPress hosting, and they were one of our first customers, and they're using it for their frontline customer support. 
Uh, I know Extendify is, is using it, I think, within cool. their plugin, actually. So Sweet. that's kind of an interesting case. Like, you can put our widget on your website, but we have really powerful APIs, so you can integrate it directly into your WordPress plugin dashboard or, or however you want to do it. A lot of different ways to go about it. I know, like, Automatic, because they have a different happiness team for WooCommerce and one for WordPress.com, and some of them are using, like, the chat widget because that's simple to get started, and you can customize the designs. Some of them are using our APIs like in a much more custom way that is kind of transparently integrated into their support workflow. And some people are using it like to actually like in their existing inbox. So for example, I have it hooked up to our help scout, which is our like support ticket software. And it automatically writes a draft reply whenever we get like a request in there. And um, so you can do things like that. I believe Sony is using it for an internal like CRM tool so as to provide like automatic replies and stuff and that's fully just using the apis for their internal use case to write replies to, to customers communications and things like that so it's very nice. flexible it makes it a challenge to figure out the best way to market it because of all the different <laughs> yeah. different ways it can be used and trying to figure out okay who is our ideal customer and and how do we want to present this and because once you have, I mean, everyone knows ChatGPT, you can do so much with it, not just writing content. Sure. So it's kind of like, once you have that custom trained on your information, then it's like, what can't you use it for? We're just right. still discovering use cases today. And I also see in the enterprise plan, you have some Azure OpenAI uh, service. I'm a fan of Claude AI. I use mm -hmm. that quite often for writing. I find it to be a little bit more creative with with writing versus chat gpt yeah uh, plus i just like the fact that i because obviously i do a lot with podcasting so i do a lot with transcripts yes and the large context paste. yeah yeah you can paste it and i just something about pasting it in and it just turns it into a file icon uh -huh. i don't know something about that just makes me feel like okay you got this you got this claude and chat gpt it just struggles with a 30 minute plus uh transcript right but anyway the point is is are you going to support other uh chat or other chat services? The plan is to, I mean, the space is moving so rapidly. Um, yeah. Right now we have a lot of like OpenAI specific things like their function calling and stuff that we rely pretty heavily on that aren't available on other models. So, but we're definitely gonna be looking into that, yeah. Cool. And hopefully there'll be open models that are much cheaper and, and accessible and, and almost as powerful. I know some of the Facebook's Llama 2, it's, it's a nearly at the base ChatGPT 3.5 level. The, the reason we haven't done that is most of our customers are international, and a lot of those models are English only, or not very good at other languages. So that's why we're yeah. another reason why we're heavily OpenAI still. One last bonus question here. One of the questions I actually tweeted at Matt, which he didn't answer, but I know Jetpack. I I put a video out on the YouTube channel about Jetpack's AI features, which when I spoke to a rep at WordCamp US, they said it was powered by ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. I'm curious why I don't see more, uh, or maybe you have an answer to this. Why not some of the LLMs from like Hugging Face, which if I have this right, is more open source friendly than OpenAI. Mm -hmm. I'd assume like maybe Automatic would want to align with that kind of open source methodology versus an OpenAI, but maybe yeah. I'm not well-versed in it well right now it comes down to quality and speed and cost right probably more than anything the, the open models are not quite 
at the quality level that you would want for a lot of product. It might work for simple chatbots, but it's not good at following like instructions as well. Or for example, like the Jetpack, I know, for example, they have AI in their form and the Jetpack forms. And so you can like type in a prompt, okay, create a form that does this. And then it creates this whole form. And that on the back end is definitely using like OpenAI's function calling, which is basically a way to get structured API output from human text input. So that doesn't really exist in other models. Like you can fake it by doing some fancy prompt work, but it's very error prone because it's not fine tuned for that. Uh, but the space is changing really fast. I mean, every month there's a new model, a new model version. I mean, a year from now, the the landscape is going to be completely different. So it's a challenge yeah. to keep up with. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Docspot.ai. Aaron, where else do you want folks to go to check this out or say thanks for doing the podcast? Um, yeah, you can always uh, catch me on Twitter. It's UglyRobotDev is my username. And we also have kind of some fun AI stuff that, that I do um, called Imagine AI. Uh, that's M-I-M-A-J-I-N-N dot AI. And we have, that's like imaging technology. So we have a WordPress plugin where you can create AI images right within WordPress. And we also have a really fun like children's book generated with AI where you like upload some pictures of your child and it actually illustrates them into the children's book. So you get a custom hardcover children's book in the mail. So that's a fun thing we're going to be, my wife and I made together and we're going to be pushing that for the holidays. So keep that in mind if you need a gift. <laughs> Awesome. And that's going to be at the same at the same website. Yeah. Imagine AI. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Everyone else, thanks for listening today to the WP Minute Plus. Subscribe to the newsletter. The WPMinute.com slash subscribe. Search for us on your favorite podcast app if this is the first time you're listening to this. And maybe, just maybe, I'll get more into AI in the future. <laughs> I, I don't want it to replace my voice. Uh, I've tried those podcasting services. Yeah. Still not up to snuff. I have a job for at least the next six months, basically. Okay. What about translation? <laughs> have you tried the translating ones? You know, I. it's been a few months since I've looked at them. The last time I looked at them, they were really expensive. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it, it would be wonderful to have. Um, I know a, a handful of other services have been released where it will speak in a different language for you as well. Exactly. With the same it, voice. It's amazing. With the same, yeah, with the same voice. And that looks interesting to me, but it's still like $350 an episode. <laughs> I'm just like, well, if I had more sponsors, maybe we can release a Spanish version. But until then, yeah. just me. Until then. <laughs> awesome yeah. stuff. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll see you in the next episode. That's it for today's episode. If you're a WordPress product business and you want to get your Black Friday deal in front of our audience, including a YouTube video, head to our WordPress product Black Friday placement listing on the WPMinute.com. Scroll to the bottom, go to the footer. You'll see a little fire emoji next to the Black Friday deal listing. Go ahead and click that link and you can purchase a spot in our classified listings, get a promo video on our YouTube channel, or sponsor the podcast. See the Black Friday deal listing in the footer of the WPMinute.com. Thanks for our, to our pillar sponsors, Pressable and Bluehost. Thanks to our Foundation Plus sponsors, the WP World. Without these sponsors, support from our paying members, and you, the listener, the WP Minute wouldn't be possible. See you in the next episode.